If you're a jazz pianist, you should probably recognize that piece that led us into this show. That was Bill Evans from a recording in 1956 called New Concepts in Jazz. It was his first record as a band leader. And Bill Evans is the pianist I want to talk about today. He a, was a fantastic musician, a great band leader, and a wonderful composer who really brings us out of the 1950s into the 60s and sets the stage for a whole school of jazz piano players who in the 1960s and 70s would really bring us up to where we are today. His style of playing is a combination of, say, Bud Powell, who was the prototypical bebop pianist, and a, a lesser-known pianist who led an alternate style of development by the name of Lenny Tristano. And then you mix a little bit of uh, classical music and the music of the Impressionists, a wonderful sense of harmony, and Evans possessed this unique ability to displace melodies rhythmically that was very, very subtle, but very, very unusual. And you mix that all up, and you have Bill Evans. 1956 was his first recording as a band leader, but the Evans story goes back further than that. He came to New York in the mid-1950s, and he played with a great band leader and composer by the name of George Russell. George Russell was very interested in new approaches to jazz. One of his approaches was uh, modal jazz, and another one was called the Lydian Chromatic Concept. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it was just very different from the bebop or hard bop school of piano playing. His first really important record is 1958, and it's a record called Everyone Digs Bill Evans. It's a standard hard bop trio with Sam Jones and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums, but there's two or three pieces on that record that are very unusual. Well, let's listen to Minority, which is a traditional hard bop piece. Now, on that same record, he recorded three unaccompanied piano pieces. The most striking is a composition he wrote entitled Peace Piece. Now, this is very unusual because it does not sound like hard bop. In fact, it sounds almost what we refer to today as maybe new age music. But let's give this a listen because this is very unusual and this is pure Bill Evans. can hear the difference. This is not a hard swinging piece. It's a very reflective piece. It has a kind of a floating ethereal quality. And Evans's piano playing is very evident here. You can hear the soft touch, the wonderful harmonic sense, and the way he lets the notes ring, which is different from your typical hard bop or 1950s style jazz pianist. It's more of a harp-like effect. He knew Miles Davis, and Miles was also very interested in this new approach to jazz, which featured 
music that didn't have a lot of chord changes. In other words, the modal style that was made very popular in his album Kind of Blue. That's Miles Davis's record. Now, Miles hired Bill Evans in 1958 to replace Red Garland. Evans possesses a different style. There's something about the way he voices his chords and the unpredictability of the rhythm and his harmonic sense and the way he would play solos and the way he would accompany soloists in a non-aggressive but very supportive manner. So Miles hires him in 1958, and he makes a few records. He does a very famous record live at Newport. And, of course, the most famous record is Kind of Blue. I want you to remember what we heard before on the composition Peace, Peace. Now, let's listen to flamenco sketches from the album Kind of Blue and see what you can hear. You can hear the similarity on flamenco sketches. Even the whole record, Kind of Blue, has that same ethereal approach that you heard from Bill Evans' performance of Peace, Peace. And it didn't come out of nowhere. As I said before, Evans was strongly influenced by the bebop piano playing of Bud Powell, the more ethereal style of Lenny Tristano, and this new sense of harmony as espoused by George Russell. Evans acts as a conduit through which all the music in the 1950s passes through, and when it comes out of Evans, it's been transformed into a new approach to piano. Evans is most famous for the 1959, 60, and 61 recordings he made with his trio. Of course, this is really the crux of Bill Evans's imprint on jazz, is the great trio with Paul Motien on drums and the amazing young bassist Scott LaFaro on bass. What Evans was thinking about when he formed this group was liberating the instruments from the traditional roles. In the 1940s and 50s, a bass player's role was a very supportive role. He would play a walking bass style, occasionally take a solo, and that was it. Scott LaFaro was not content to do that. Evans also wanted a bass player who could at any time interject melody. So what we hear with the Evans trio in the late 50s, early 60s is a very conversational approach. I have to tell you, the first time I heard the Evans recording of Autumn Leaves, I didn't like it because I'd grown up listening to Ray Brown, one of the greatest bass players in all of jazz, who was a great walking bassist, a great soloist, but he really established this walking style. And Scott LaFaro doesn't walk all the time. Let's listen to Autumn Leaves. Immediately, you should be struck by the disjunct nature that the melody is performed. It's like it's stopping and starting, and Scott LaFaro doesn't 
play the walking bass line. Ding, 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 ding. He's not doing that. He's breaking up the time. Evans could at any moment play a little bit of the melody and then pass it off to the bassist. Then the drummer, Paul Mochin, might interject something. So it's this three-way conversation. This is a more interactive style. And this would affect future rhythm sections, especially Miles Davis's rhythm section from his second great quintet that featured Herbie Hancock and Ron Carter, who really built on this conversational approach to playing where the melody could come from anywhere and the roles of the different instrumentalists is not clearly defined. Let's also listen to a great recording from Live at the Village Vanguard in New York City. And let's listen to his recording of Waltz for Debbie. Actually, this piece was first recorded in 1956 on the Conceptions in Jazz. And five years later, the song has been transformed into something almost completely different. Let's listen to Waltz for Debbie. Immediately, you should be struck by the fact that it's in 3-4, but at some point early on in the song, it moves into 4-4, and again, the music takes on this conversational nature. Now, not all of Evans' songs were played fast. He had a great affinity for pieces in 3-4 timer waltzes, and also for slow, moody ballads. Let's listen to a wonderful recording of a song called Some Other Time, and listen carefully to the wide open space, the touch of Bill Evans on the piano, this beautiful floating quality that he projects. I have to talk a little bit about Scott LaFaro, the bassist. Tragically, shortly after the Village Vanguard records were made, he was killed in a car accident. Scott LaFaro raised the bar, as it were, on the expectation of bass players. And not only was LaFaro a great walker, but he was a great soloist, and he could play with all four fingers. It was almost like a spider running up and down the fretboard of the bass. He's not confined to the traditional role of the bassist. And you hear this in probably all the bassists post-1960. The younger bassists had to be able to play in this very interactional style. But before LaFaro, the bass player's role was fairly limited. LaFaro really liberates the bass player's role. And, of course, the drummer, Paul Motien, has to play in a manner that allows for this elasticity in this conversational approach. So this is a situation where you have three amazing musicians together at the same time. I mean, it's like talking about like the early 50s New York Yankees and it has just an amazing machine that's so well-oiled that it just, you know, it almost consumes itself. It's so efficient. And this affected all jazz rhythm sections post-1960. So the Evans legacy is of a great one. He was a 
major stylist, possessed wonderful technique, had a great sense of rhythm, and also used a technique called rhythmic displacement. And throughout his career, you know, he made quite a few recordings until he passed away in the 1980s. But his legacy is really established in the late 50s and early 60s with this approach to rhythm section playing and piano playing that broke all the stereotypical roles. All the subsequent jazz pianists post-1960 owe a great debt of gratitude to Bill Evans, also to Bud Powell and Lenny Tristano and McCoy Tyner. Evans' imprint is strongly felt on many jazz pianists today. The touch, the sense of harmony, the great sense of rhythm, the interactional style of playing, and his ability to leave lots of space in a conversational manner. Thank you. 